The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Open up to Mark chapter 11 and I am going to continue the series on miracles that I started on the beginning of this year. We've called this year the Year of Miracles. Everybody say the Year of Miracles! what it is. It's the year of miracles. The best is yet to come. I'm telling you now. And so in the series, we've done four in the series. We started the first one with the environment for miracles. And the environment for miracles is expectation. You have to expect a miracle. Then we moved on to the entry point for miracles. And the entry point is when you get to the end of what you can do, That's the beginning of what God can do. The entry point to miracles is when you get to the end. God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. So don't be praying for a miracle when you can do something. But when you get to the end of what you can do, that's the entry point for the miracle. Then the third one was the engine room for miracles. And the engine room for miracles is prayer. And we've just got to pray and keep praying and not give up until the answer comes through. And then the fourth one was the energizer for miracles. And that was the Holy Spirit. He's the energizer for miracles. Well, today we're going to look at the enemy of miracles, the enemy of miracles. And so if you turn to Mark chapter 11, now you say, well, that's a negative aspect. Well, well, it is a negative aspect, but the positive is that when you do the opposite to, the en- to, to what the enemy is, then it actually unblocks some blockages. It just, you know, basically clears the clears the uh, the the channel, and uh, and miracles can flow. So let's read Mark chapter eleven, verses twenty-two to twenty-six, and we're going to be looking at the two biggest enemies to miracles. So this is what it says in Mark eleven, twenty-two to twenty-six. It says, "So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God." Turn to the person next to you and say, have faith in God. Come on. Now say it to yourself. Have faith in God. Why don't you, why don't you use your first name and say, it? John, have faith in God. Whatever your name is. If it's not John, don't say John. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, most people just stop there. But you know what the next word is after the full stop? And. And so verse 25 must be connected to verse 24. Because you don't start a sentence with and unless it's connected to the previous point. And so then it goes on. So, you know, once it says you've got to believe, you receive. And let me continue this thought. Whenever you stand praying... If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So what we have locked into the text today 
is the two major enemies to miracles. And the two major enemies to miracles that the text connects is simply unbelief and unforgiveness. The two major enemies. Now, I'm not saying that these are the only uh, enemies because sin, obviously, is also a major enemy to miracles. Sin, disobedience, not fulfilling the will of God. And, and you, know, I, you know, I take that for granted that you understand that, that sin will definitely block blessings and miracles in God. But today, I want to specifically focus on these two enemies unbelief and unforgiveness. And I, and, and, and I want for you to address them in your spirit because if you can address them in your spirit and turn it around, then you will move into belief and forgiveness. And belief and forgiveness will just clear the blockages and cause miracles to flow your way. Unbelief, right throughout the scripture is seen as a huge blockage to miracles. How many of you remember the story in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus goes to his hometown, Nazareth, where he grew up, and uh, they did not see any miracles there. And the reason they didn't see any miracles there in the town, so, you know, th- there were just a few little headaches and stuff healed, but no major miracles, even Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason being was what? Who can tell me what the reason was? Unbelief. And so what we see there in Mark chapter 6 is a very clear teaching that unbelief blocks miracles. Unbelief blocked Jesus doing miracles. Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, let's stop and contemplate that for a moment and just see what an enemy unbelief is. Then when you come to Matthew 17, there's a fascinating story in Matthew 17. It's the story of, of uh, well, it's the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, they, Jesus goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And while he's up there, this guy brings his son who had epilepsy or had some, certainly some sort of very severe illness, would throw himself into the fire and all sorts of things to the disciples of Jesus and said, please heal. And the disciples tried, but nothing happened. And then when Jesus comes down, how many of you know the story? When Jesus comes down from the mountain, they got Jesus, please. The father says, please, would you heal my son? And Jesus healed the little boy, totally healed. So then they go away for a debrief. I love it. I I love the debriefing sessions between Jesus and the disciples because that's when they really get real. And so the disciples then, they gather Jesus in the room and they say, Jesus, will you explain to us why we couldn't do this miracle? And you know what Jesus said to them? Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Your unbelief blocked this miracle. It stopped it dead in its tracks. And so somehow we've got to stop and start to see that unbelief is the enemy of miracles. Now, can I just press pause here for a second? Why do I want to press pause? Because I want to express to you that unbelief blocks some miracles. There's no question about that. 
But unbelief may not necessarily be the reason a miracle does not happen. So I just want you to grab that in your spirit because it's really easy to overgeneralize. When Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 17, why could we not see this miracle? Jesus was very specific. And it was, hey, in your case, it's unbelief. But he wasn't saying in every case where a miracle doesn't happen, the reason is unbelief. But what happens in the body of Christ is that we love to overgeneralize. We love to have that scripture and just bring it as the answer to every scenario. And it may not necessarily be. I'm going to share with you today that maybe sometimes the answer to a blockage is unforgiveness or sin. But you know, you know, sometimes one of the biggest blockages is timing. It's not time yet. And so, so please don't overgeneralize and get caught in one of the big mistakes that the body of Christ makes with overgeneralizations and throw it into someone's faith. The reason you didn't see a miracle is you just didn't have enough faith. I don't know how many people I've seen damaged severely because someone's thrown that into their face. Be very careful how you use unbelief. Have you got that? Very good. I'm glad you got that. James chapter 1 verse 6 to 8 also connects doubt with unbelief. Now, now you know, unbelief is, 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 is right here at this extreme. It's like, I don't believe. Doubt is sort of in the gray area. Doubt says, yeah, I, I kind of, but I don't. I, maybe I, I'm struggling. And, and James uses doubt and gives the analogy of, if you doubt, you're like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not anyone think that they can receive anything from God when they're in that gray area of doubt. Wow. My goodness. So, so what, what I'm wanting to communicate to you is this, is that the zone of miracles is total faith. Once you start creeping into doubt, you've actually out of the zone. You're into a gray area where miracles get blocked. And once you go from doubt to unbelief, you're in the total red zone. But the green zone for miracles is faith, where you believe, where you don't doubt, where you don't waver. You are 100% committed to what God says that he will do. Simple definition. Simple definition of belief is that you simply believe that what God says is true. Just this, this simple childlike acceptance. If God said it, I believe it. Now, for some people, that is, they define that as being naive. To some people, they define that as being simplistic. I define that as faith, childlike faith. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. See, unbelief is, I don't believe what God says is true. Unless you prove it to me, I won't believe it. Until I see it, I won't believe it. Well, the Bible says, unless you believe it, you won't see it. 
And so, so with faith, belief comes first. In the world, sight comes first. I got to see it to believe it. Now, you know, when someone is saying that, I got to see it to believe it, this is what they're doing. Let me explain to you what they're doing. They're putting their confidence in the natural realm. Sight is one of your natural senses. Sight hearing is one of your natural senses. But how many of you know that sight can be deceiving? How many of you have worked out the color of the dress? Huh? Is it? Come on, who reckons it's white and gold? Who reckons it's blue and black? Who has no clue of what I'm talking about? (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. Let let me give you the background. And social media. There's a dress shop somewhere in the world. And, uh, and this guy took a photo of this dress and showed his mates. And his mates said, oh, it's, it's blue and black. And then his other mates said, no, it's not. It's white and gold. How many of you know that there's a huge difference between blue and black and white and gold? And so my daughter showed it to us yesterday. And I've got it in front of me. And I'm saying, that is blue and black. Anne's looking at it and says, that is white and gold. And I said, are you kidding me? Are you somehow deceived woman? Just like Eve was in the... No, I I did not go there. I didn't go there. I tell you, that's a dangerous place to go. So apparently, these colors are right on the spectrum between the change of colors, and it depends on your eyes and how they're adjusted as to whether it flicks you to one side of the spectrum or the other side of the spectrum. And it's become a social media viral phenomena. So if you don't know what it's about, all that I'm saying to you is that you haven't been on social media yesterday. And that's fair enough. Uh, David Hilvagin, uh, David uh, Seaton over there has not been on social media, and that is a good thing. So pay attention. Get back to the Word of God, okay? So, so, so this is the thing is that if you're dependent purely on your natural senses, I won't believe it until I see it. You are totally only living in the natural realm. You totally ignore the fact that there's a supernatural realm that's just as real as the natural realm. But the only way that you can tap into the supernatural realm is through faith. And I'm a believer in the supernatural realm. Hey, let me tell you the statistic that I just found out this week. 89% of the world's population believes in the supernatural realm. Guess what percentage of the world are atheists that don't believe in the supernatural realm? 1.2%. Mr. Hawkins and Mr. Dawson, you are well in the minority. 89%. billion people on this planet believe in the supernatural. 6.5 billion people believe in the supernatural. But how do you tap into the supernatural? It's not through the natural realm. It's not through sight. It's not through, well, if God would come and speak to me, then I would believe in him. See, that's the natural realm. Speak is hearing. Hearing is natural senses. 
What about opening up your heart and hearing the voice of God in your spirit? Oh, that's too spooky. You've got to move to that area. If you want to connect to God, you must believe that he is. This is what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, that he that comes to God, she that comes to God must believe that God exists. And then it moves on. And a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Come on, you want some rewards from God? You've got to believe in Him. You've got to seek after Him. You've got to shift from the natural into the supernatural. And that's where belief is so powerful. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, And these signs will follow who? Those who believe. Signs will follow those who believe. I'm telling you, if you don't believe, you're not going to see the signs. You're not going to see the miracles. It's so clear. I can't show you any clearer from the Word of God that unbelief blocks miracles. And so can I just say to you, get to a place of belief. Second thing that blocks miracles is unforgiveness. That's what the text says. Whoever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. The Bible is so strong about forgiveness and unforgiveness. And I think forgiveness, unforgiveness is the most defiling thing that you can get involved in, it will defile you. Hebrews 12 verse 15 talks about unforgiveness becoming like a root of bitterness in your life. And that root gets hold and it starts producing fruit that defiles you. It's poisonous fruit. It'll defile your spirit. But then it goes on and it says, not only will you become defiled, but also the people around you will become defiled. Wow. What? My unforgiveness not only affects me, but it affects the people around me? Absolutely. It affects the people around you. Let me tell you, it'll affect your family. If you're married, it'll affect your spouse. It will cause defilement. It's spiritual poison, Joyce Meyer says. Spiritual poison. And it's something that you've got to deal with. And you know what? You don't deal with it once. You deal with it every single day. Every day you deal with this. And that's why Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Do you think you can go through a day without someone offending you? Do you think you can go for a day without contemplating the actions of people and finding that they fall short of your expectations? Is there anybody that meets your expectations 100% 24-7. Mate, if you have someone like that, keep them very, very close. Most people don't meet your expectations. And so, and so if you want to be sweet, you've just got to live in the zone of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.26 calls anger and unforgiveness 
It's fascinating. Be angry and sin not. There's this connection between, you know, yeah, you can be passionate about something, but don't bring that passion into sin. You, you, you can have strong thoughts. You can have strong beliefs, but don't bring it into sin. Because as soon as you bring it into sin where it becomes resentment, it becomes unforgiveness, then you're actually giving the enemy a foothold. And that word foothold, we've done a whole series on it. It means actually giving the enemy a place. I call it the beachhead. I call it the foothold, the beachhead, the spare room in your house. Unforgiveness invites the enemy to come into your house and occupy the spare room. It's going to defile you. It's going to mess it up. It's going to mess it up. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says that unforgiveness hinders your prayers. And this is specifically in a marriage situation. Actually, he's Peter writing to husbands and saying, man, if you're resentful against your wife, it's going to hinder your prayers. But when you expand it out, it's to everybody who's resentful. But, you know, Peter is specifically targeting the men, the blokes, the married men. How many married men have we got here? Okay, you're targeted here by Peter in 1 Peter 3 verse 7. And here's what God's word to you is. If you don't want your prayers hindered, just don't be resentful towards your wife. Be loving, gracious, kind to her. Make her a cup of tea in bed every now and then. It's a wonderful thing to do. You will earn lots of brownie points. And I do it as often as I possibly can. Matter of fact, even this morning, and got a cup of tea in bed. Hey, I'm a loved man because of it. Hindrances to prayer, blockages to miracles. Let me finish this morning by just simply saying to you what you need to do to forgive. You need to understand the damage it's doing. Unforgiveness is damaging you more than whoever it's been directed to. And you've, and, 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 so, and you've got to identify it as unforgiveness. Do you know, I love cars. And how many of you know that I love cars? And I hate having cobwebs on my car. It's just, it's, it's a wrong thing. Cobwebs on cars just don't go. Because cobwebs are sticky things. They just don't look cool at all. And so I, I can remember this season in my life where every morning I'd wake up and there'd be this flipping cobweb over my headlight. So I'd get a rag and I'd wipe it off. Just sticky stuff and annoying stuff. And, you know, the next morning I'd wake up and there's another flipping cobweb over my headlight. And I'd get a rag and I'd wipe it off. I did this for weeks. It was like my daily routine. I'd just get and I'd... Wipe the cobweb. And then it dawned on me. <laughs> Call me slow. But some of you are still wiping cobwebs and it still hasn't dawned. So not that slow. So I realized that I was applying the wrong solution to the problem. I was applying 
a rag to the problem and wiping it away when I needed a can of Mortine. <laughs> and so I got my can of Mortine and I thought, I don't know where you are, but I know that this cobweb is connected to a force. I don't know where that force is, but I'm going to find it because this is annoying me. And so I got the Mortine and I sprayed it around the headlight and whatever. And I waited. And then this demonic spider (laughs) called out. And I found that my problem wasn't the cobweb. That was the sticky stuff. That was the stuff that was annoying. My problem was the demonic spider (laughs) underneath that I needed some spiritual spray to address. And some of you are trying to deal with the sticky stuff on the surface constantly. Constantly trying to deal with the sticky stuff. And it's just annoying. And you wipe a rag and you come to church and you get motivated. Got a clean car, got a clean life, I got a clean house. And you just, you know, you do your spring cleaning. But underneath the surface, hidden away, there's this root of bitterness. There's this unresolved issue. There's this thing underneath that's creating the sticky, yucky stuff. And in the middle of the night, it comes out. It does its work. And you wake up and you see it, and people see it, and they say, "What is what is that stuff?" I I thought you wanted a clean car. Yeah, I do, but somehow this thing keeps coming, and I keep cleaning it. Come on, it's time to deal with it. It's time to deal with it once and for all. Deal with the root of bitterness. Deal with resentment. Deal with unforgiveness. It's blocking miracles. It's blocking you coming into the fullness that God wants for your life. Deal with unbelief. It's blocking miracles. If you want the blockage cleared, move into belief and forgiveness. God, I believe. I believe in you. I believe in your power. I believe in your strength. I believe in your word. Lord Jesus, there's nobody that I'm holding anything towards. I've dealt with it. I've dealt with the pain. I've dealt with the hurt. I've dealt with the wounds. I've dealt with the negative words that were spoken over my life. I've dealt with the negative actions. I've dealt with all that. I'm not holding anything. I've dealt with that person that ripped me off. I've dealt with that person that promised all that sort of stuff. It never came up. I've dealt with that. I've dealt with, I've dealt with betrayal. I've dealt with the divorce issue. I've dealt with that person walking out. I've dealt with them committing adultery while I wasn't looking. I've dealt with that, Lord. I'm not holding it anymore. I've dealt with that, Lord. Jesus' name, so I can be free to move into what you've got for me. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for every person right now in this auditorium that needs to deal with issues of unbelief or unforgiveness. Come on, just open up the palms of your hands. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, please help me that I may have no unbelief in my heart. Help me to believe that you love me, that you're for me, that you're going to see me through. I believe in you, Lord. 
I believe in your word. Today, I confess that I'm a child of God. Now, Lord, help me to forgive others. Even as you have forgiven me, help me to forgive others. Let there be no unforgiveness. Let there be no resentment. Let there be no bad feeling towards anybody on this planet. Even towards those who are no longer on this planet because they're dead. Help me forgive in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 